Happy New Year, everyone. You're listening to the Farm Trainers Podcast, Season 4, Episode 18, published on January 3rd, 2023. This episode, we'll be talking to Lisa Ludwig from She Trains You about starting a shooting club. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Sit back, relax, and listen to this year's first podcast. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Farm Trainers Association. Visit their website, FTA Protect, to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. You're a certified instructor. You can apply for FTA coverage. Remember, for listening to this podcast, you can get 10% off by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by KSG Holsters. They are professional-grade Kydex handcrafted here in the United States of America. They're available for a large variety of firearms. They're purpose-built one-by-one for comfort and concealability. All KSG Holsters are Enigma-compatible. There are a lot of customization options, so you can order the holster that fits your needs exactly. Remember, KSG Holsters. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Lisa Lugwood from She Trains You. Welcome, Lisa, and thanks for taking your time to, to share your knowledge with our audience. Thank you for having me, Rob. I really appreciate this. Well, for those people that might not know who Lisa Ludwig is, can you give us a little bit about what your background is and what you do in the uh, 2A community? Sure. Um, so basically, I just started off as just regular Jane. I'm not military and I'm not police. Um, 9-11 happened. I started becoming a prepper and I reached out to my local military guy and uh, he said, come to the range. We'll we'll give, go get a shotgun, 12 gauge and meet me. So I did, you know, it scared the crap out of me and uh, it put it under my bed for two years. It sat and had dust bunnies all over it. So <laughs> uh, flash forward, there was, we bought our home about eight years ago and we got a ring notification of a masked man following a woman into our house. And he had a nine millimeter in his hand and, and, and he's masked and he went to the door and he was donkey kicking it. And thankfully, the door didn't open. So the lady, um, I, was, I was saying, like, what would the lady would have done? She would have stabbed him. She would have kicked him. She would have waited for the police. You know, forget it. So um, I was in the Neighborhood Watch program, and I said, you know what? Who wants to learn how to shoot firearms? Because this is absurd. And a bunch of people were like me. I said, you know, I think I want to something. So about three and a half years ago, I reached out to my training counselor, and I started getting my certifications. Uh, flash forward, I opened up the Long Island Women Firearm Long Island Women's Firearm Club uh, as basically uh, a free club at the time, just to kind of get my name out there. And then as I got it a little bit more recognized, we started a paid program, and we actually got so big that currently we're about a hundred members, uh, three chapters on Long Island. Like I was saying before, Long Island's a fish, so we have like the head, the belly, the tail, and uh, it wound up really blowing up. And then uh, what happened was men were calling me and saying, well, I want to learn from you, too. So next thing you know, <laughs> She Trains You was born. Um, and I started training men and businesses, real estate agents, uh, women, even self-defense. I'm a martial artist um, as well. And I uh, kind of just blew up. And then just recently, as you heard, New York is now allowed to have the CCW training here. So I was lovely thankfully blessed with that uh that able to do that and uh it's been blowing up like unbelievable and i've been really really busy uh besides that i'm also the facilitator for or the lead facilitator for girl in a gun shooting league for the long island chapter and i'm also a um 
I'm a New York State Armed Guard, but uh, not that it really means anything. And I have other certifications, too, I'm not going to bother you with. But that's kind of where I've been currently. And uh, I train a lot. I try to train as much as I can. I've been out with uh, John Korea and Active Self-Protection. Uh, Never so heard of the guy. Nah, nah, I don't think anybody does. <laughs> you know, Sorry, funny, John, too, I had to put I, that in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny when I talk about him around here, no one knows who he is. And it like frustrates me. I'm like, he's so good. Like, how do you not know? If you're not, like, do you even shoot? <laughs> yeah. I was actually doing a class last Friday and somebody was like, I see these videos and some and guy goes along and you see it and then he goes along pieces apart and it's like John Korea. Yeah, you know, I'm like, yeah, he's been on a podcast before. So yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny when people go along and how much they watch YouTube videos, but they really don't know who the people are that are on there, the per personalities and everything. Good thing is I know quite a few of the personalities for from the uh, firearm perspective from uh, YouTube. So fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they have a great program, the instructor certification program. I was mm -hmm. in the third cohort. Um, and it, it's a hard program to get into. You know, you have to have um, uh, people write, you know, on your behalf. You have to have a community member write in your behalf. Like it was really like intense film, a dot torture, film, a qualifier, uh, timed and untimed things. And, and it was cool. But anyway, got in there. And uh, ever since then, it's been like, in a, like a little family. So I went to the national conference recently and uh, mm -hmm. that was really, really cool. Uh, something you guys should check out as well. That's good. Okay. Well, Hey, I want you to come on today and talk about how you established your uh, gun clubs and things like that. Because I think a lot of instructors, uh, realize that if you can establish your own following your gun club where you're meeting on a regular basis, uh, it can definitely help out. Uh, you know, you'll have students that'll come to you for instruction, but also too, it really helps out and make an impact on the community. So can you give us a little bit of, you know, you talked about how you, you know, talked about in the community watch program, you found, you got your first volunteers that way, but how did you grow it? You know, from just being, you know, the people you knew in the community a watch program to, you know, where it is today, because you've got over a hundred plus members currently in, in your club. Yes, sir. And that's a great question because, and, and like we were saying before, a lot of instructors, new ones think, oh, I have to have a range and I have to have a, a training facility and I have to have all this gear. You do not at all. Like you can, you know, start off very humbly and work your way up. And that's kind of what I did. So basically I worked with, you know, the most common type of gun, you know, I'll get like a Glock or something. And then I would go to like gun stores and offer my services for free in terms of like doing like a free uh, basics of safety or something like that. Like nothing NRA rated, just, you know, myself out there saying, hey, finger off the trigger, you know, that kind of stuff. And I tell you, just by doing that, I, I definitely grew my aware my brand awareness. That's really like what I was about since day one. I wasn't about the dollar and I was and I was about my community, but I was about my brand. Like I wanted people to know and they saw my brand, who I was and what was behind that brand. So it kept growing and growing and growing. And uh, next thing you know, I was starting to do paid classes and I was like, oh, okay, this is how it goes. And then, you know, you have to be careful with your money. What I did was I was actually an engineer um, before I was a firearms instructor for, um, for about seven years or so. And, you know, I liked it, but it wasn't really for me. I had to travel to and from the five boroughs. It was like a two hour commute in, two hour commute back. It was terrible. Half hour to find a parking spot. I mean, really, oh. really bad. 
Yeah. So, you know, it was wearing on me. And, and what happened was I would try to build up my business where I do all my private instruction at night and on the weekends and like on holidays or whatever. And then next thing you know, I said, you know what, when my privates got in the way of my full-time business that I would drop the business, uh, drop the engineering side to it and just go two feet in. So about eight months, uh, I started my business. That's when the pandemic started. So I was only eight <laughs> months old. And let me tell you, my phone blew up because people were like, I don't even know where to begin. I don't know where to even to get a gun because the, the shelves were, wet, were white. You know, like you couldn't get a nine millimeter if your life depended on it. And people were bugging out. So they were like, you know, who do you know? Who do you know? So you know, I tried to do best I could. You know, I tried to get in like 30 guns at a time and people, were, you know, were buying them. I mean, it was incredible. Um, and then I was getting the people once there was um, stuff that was able to come into the gun stores. They were stuff that were not meant for home defense like an AK-47, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, um, we live on Long Island. We ha we live right next to each other. I we're about eight feet from my neighbor. So I have sheetrock, fuzzy shit, and then I have a piece of plywood, and then I have a piece of plastic, and then a PVC fence, and then whatever's on the other side. We're eight feet apart. I said, you better have a really good lawyer if, if, if you were going to you know, pull the trigger in your home. So, um, you know, these people were like, well, why would the gun store sell that to me? I'm like, because you don't know what you're doing. You need to go in and have an informed decision, not just walk into Honda and go, hey, I want a Honda. Anybody have a Honda? No, you go <laughs> in and say, I want a Glock 19 Gen 5, you know, do your homework, you know. So, so that's how that kind of worked. And then um, little by little, I just, you know, hey, you know, she's really great. I'm, I'm very patient. And I think that's why a lot of my um, clients promote me a lot. Word of mouth is really the best way to go. And I was very patient. And, and what my competition doesn't understand around here, and here's a little tip for the people who are listening, because, you know, my, you know, your, 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 your stalkers listen even harder. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yep. so here's a, so here's a tip for them, right? Stop being so scary because you're scaring them. <laughs> Like legitimately, like you're walking around like you're, you know, military and police, which is fine. I'm not bagging on them, but that's not who these people are. So when they see you doing that, they run to me because they're like, oh, my God, that's not me, you know, and they see me as a regular person and that I have, you know, I really do care and I'm passionate about what I do. Just like you, Rob, you love what you do. Even I wouldn't even get a dime. I would love this. But it, the whole point is, is that you do what you love and you never clock watch and you know that you're in the right industry when 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 people are like raving about you all over the place. You mm -hmm. know, it's incredible. So. I'm very humbled and blessed uh, to be who I am and to have gotten to where I am. And I'm not saying I didn't put in the hard work, because believe me, I put in a ton of hard work. Not only did I open that club, I have the girl and a gun. I have a co-ed club and I'm opening up a men's club. I also have, um, you know, my private business. And then um, I have a self-defense clientele as well. So I'm like all over the place, but it's okay. And I love it. Like I would never change this for the world. So mm -hmm. uh, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I think uh, you know your point is well taken when you talk about being approachable. I'm a you know six six four guy, you know two ninety or so. So you know I'm a I'm a big guy, uh, cast a big shadow, and one of the things I've got to you know be very aware of is you know I can intimidate you know people very quickly and easily by being too close. Or, you know, by going along, coming, coming to the range and looking like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm there for World War Three, 
you know, I come and, and, you know, depending upon the class, if it's just a basic CCW class, I'm probably more likely going to come in jeans with a nice polo on that I can put a gun belt on and, you know, run, run the qualification properly. If I'm doing more of the advanced stuff, I'll go with more of the, you know, tactical pants on. And, you know, that's just simply because I've got notebooks in my pocket. I've got to go along and have extra ammo on me, you know, all those kind of things, but also to the clientele at that point, know how to shoot. I'm not, you know, scaring away by going along looking tactical um, on the range at that point. But in those beginning classes, I try to dress down as much to the common, you know, citizen as possible. Um, when I'm doing in-person uh, classes, seminars, I try to be very vanilla and you know i've got a instructor shirt on but i don't try to go along and look overly um you know aggressive you know and having those uh tactical pants on or having a vest on you know those types of things where people can take it the wrong way i also realize that my language you know it's very important too because the tone the words i choose to use different things like that make a big difference on how i go along and talk about a you know criminal even now i'm not saying i love criminals all what i'm saying is i don't go along and use a whole lot of four-letter words to describe criminal activity you know i call it criminal i call it illegal activity but also i underscore with them that you know that could be a you know 14 year old kid or a 24 year old kid or a 74 year old person and it's those types of things to where you know Let's make sure we're painting the right picture because I want my students to be prepared for whatever, uh, you know, danger comes up to them. And sometimes, sometimes those are four, four legged dangers, you know, dog, uh, you know, got loose and, and they're a threat. Sometimes, sometimes they're vehicles, sometimes they're people. And you've got to be able to go along and ascertain what is the uh, risk that they pose to you, not just, you know, well, I was scared because of how they looked. Now, that's not the right answer. The right answer is they were doing these and these were pre attack indicators. And because I knew that, I was taking defensive uh, actions well before they got close enough to harm me. And that's why we're. We're here today with my lawyer talking talking to the prosecutor about things because they want to know how in the heck I I knew this before it actually happened type of thing. And that's a smart student for it. Absolutely. The ones that are craving that let learner, you know, attitude, that's those are my favorite. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've even had some guys come in because, you know, I get like the old school, you know, Brooklyn attitude, hey, I know everything kind of guy. But by the time they're done with me, which is nice, I always give them, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I learned so much, which is really nice, you know. Uh, but, you know, the mentality here is different. And I always talk about this on podcasts because I really it, it's the truth. Like everywhere in the rest of the country, like they kind of grow up on grandpappy's lawn, you know, shooting and stuff like that's not part of Long Island's culture because we didn't have the space to do that ever. Mm-hmm. And we were never allowed to. So our our um, community is so new to firearms that they're just so scared of it. So when they see like a welcoming face and they're like, oh, my God, she's smiling. And, you know, I do a lot of videos, as you see, and stuff. And I just try to, you know, show our, our personality, our flavor a little bit. And, um, you know, it shows them that we're people, too. We're not just these, you know, uh, gun crazy you know, people. And that's another stigma that's huge around here is that the people that only have guns are the bad guys, the drug dealers, the gang members. That's not true. I have, you know, I have an 83 year old woman that shoots with us. I have a 73 year old. I have a 65 year old. I have an 87 year old man I was shooting with the other day. So these are just regular, you know, guys and girls that just want to protect themselves. I mean, what is wrong with that? Mm -hmm. What is wrong with a good person having a gun? 
What is wrong with that? We're good, moral, prudent, sober people, just like John says. Why can't we protect ourselves? We are sheep walking around. You know what? And you know what's great? I've I've certified probably about, I would say about 100 people so far in, in about, I don't know, about two, three-month period. And you know what? That makes my community so much safer because now there's 100 people walking around with their CCW now that, you know, maybe might one day protect me. Never know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and the one thing I go along, and when you're talking about new firearm shooters, the one thing, you know, no matter if they can go out in grandpappy's backyard and shoot on the farm or whether they've never, uh, you know, shot before, the one thing as instructors we really have to recognize is they have been educated uh, previously. And that education comes from movies, TVs, you know, politicians, what they see on the news, all those types of things about it. And that's where, you know, why are people so afraid of things? Because on the news, they talk about, uh, you know, gang members, criminals doing this and doing that and somebody being, being hurt and killed with it, but they never really go along and talk about, you know, how many, how many times did somebody, you know, police officer or, you know, private citizen draw their firearm to stop it, stop something, but nobody got hurt except for the bad guy went to jail. And, you know, those are kind of the stories that you want to hear. But unfortunately, if it, if the, if there's no blood with it, it's not going to make the news at least the beginning of the beginning of the uh, newscast and everything. And that's just one of those things where no matter who the, who the shooter is, whenever they come to my, especially beginning uh, level classes is, you know, we're going to teach you the right way and, you know, take whatever you learned in the military or even in the police um, and realize that this is the way we're doing things from a civilian standpoint, because, you know, going along arresting people or, you know, going along and spraying and praying, you know, what you, you know, uh, do when you've got machine guns in the military, uh, you know, you don't do that in civilian life because that got, that's got lawsuit written all over it. So, you know, educating them and realizing where they're coming from and giving, giving them what they're paid for, you know, they paid for education. So educating them, uh, you know, properly so that they can go out and make their own decisions. That's, um, you know, really, really good. It's very true. And it's so sensationalized too, like that, you know, oh, look at all these gang members and look at this and look at that. And then the good guy, like you said, is so minimalized. It's funny how that happens. I just, it, it, it's kind of heartbreaking because if they would see all the good people that do good with their guns, maybe other people would, would wake up and be like, hey, well, you know what? If that lady wasn't there, there would have been more murders or more this and more that, you know? And it's like, I don't know. I, I don't get it. I just I don't I just uh, shared a clip uh, on my Facebook um, basically of a lady calling in. I don't know if you saw this or not, asking for the police to come because her ex-boyfriend was at the door who just beat her. butt uh, about a week before just got out of jail, was back. And the lady on uh, the police lady said, I don't have anybody to send you. I don't know what to tell you. I was like, whoa, like that really hit home. Like the cops have no one to send you. What are you going to do now? Mm -hmm. So you can't even rely on the police anymore. So where, where is that excuse? So that was a real eye opener, even for myself. Like, you know what? They might not even have a cop. Wow. Yeah, we're we're seeing that here in Cincinnati. Um, I know the new police chief uh, that they've they've been interviewing several of them from across the country. They're looking, going along, and um, referring callers 
uh, to other agencies to to handle things. So unless you go along and say something like dying, you know, shooting, you know, things along those lines, they'll go along and recommend, you know, or pass you over to another agency who's more appropriate in order to be able to go along and handle that. Now, that might be fine. But if you don't use those magic words and there really is somebody who's there you know, intent on doing your harm, the first person to arrive may not be the police officer that you need for it. It'll be somebody else. And then you get away for the police officer, you know, in your case, that may or may not show up. Exactly. Wow. It was just mind blowing to me. Like that, that is actually what, what happened. That's crazy. So yep. we have to wow. be our own hero in our own story. And people don't understand that this is rescue equipment. This is not like something fun that I run around boasting. First of all, it's annoying to wear. Anybody who wears a gun, it's not the most, I mean, it's comfortable. It's not uncomfortable. It's just, it's annoying. It's there, you know? And it, mm -hmm. you know, I, if, if I could choose not to wear it, I would love to not to wear it, but I can't because people are crazy. So, but you know, it's not like I run around like, woohoo, look at me. No, this is my, like a fire extinguisher or a ladder or a seatbelt. Like people don't understand. This is an equivalent to that. You know, it's not just mm -hmm. a, this is, you know, I'm coming home safe, you know? Yeah. So. I, was, I was listening to uh, one of my guests uh, on another podcast, uh, named Daryl Balky, and he went along and, uh, he, he estimates what we're going to see here in the United States more and more is going to probably be private, private security. You know, not just at the malls, but in communities and, and things, because the police are going to be so thin that in order to you know keep order with the local kids to go along take care of the you know little you know, little problems that the police just don't have time to do the local security will take care of it and at the same time there's a, there's got to be a realization that you know the police are not going to be the people that might show up you know within a couple minutes to save your butt it's going to be one of those things to where you've got to save your butt and then they'll come along you know in half an hour and write the report up and you know clean clean things up along those lines and it's not you know from a personal standpoint the police don't want to do that they just don't have the numbers to be able to do it they don't have the funding to be able to do it and the communities that can't afford it will go out and you know buy their own uh security force so it can be uh done that way and if your community can't afford it then you may be the your first responder or maybe the only responder for quite quite a bit and that's going to change the face of uh, american policing as well as american public when it comes comes along and people are thinking about okay what do i need to do in order to you know live a happy and safe life with my family very true wow yeah. Yeah. so what do you do uh what kind of events do you run with the girl and the gun um we do usually the um the nighttime one i forget what they call it like um like uh one's like bullets and breakfast i forget how they say it forget it to be honest but usually um we'll do a night uh event at one of the ranges that we go to and uh we'll we'll shoot together we you know it, it's a great opportunity to be part of a girl and a gun because they they are all over the united states so if you join a local chapter you have opportunity to travel through the united states and train at other chapters as long as you pay like their chapter event fee uh which is pretty cool and then you have access to something like uh their um their national conference that's coming up in, I think it's in April I'm going to. And that one is at the uh, Cameo Shooting Center in um, Colorado. Really, really, really nice. And um, it's pretty cool. If you, if you show up early, they let you shoot out of a helicopter. It's pretty sick. <laughs> pretty sick. I would, I would, um, I would come, come to that. That would be uh, definitely yeah. <laughs> uh, good. I was thinking uh, about that and I thought I might get nauseous. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know if that'd be for me. Yeah. But anyway. and we, we actually had Robin Sandoval, the founder of the girl and the gun, um, on in uh, season three, episode nine. So if you want to hear more about the girl and the gun, uh, check her out and what she, uh, talks about with all the clubs that she's got across the United States. And, uh, I follow her on Facebook and she is always, always, always running. So that's a, that's a yep. good thing. Always. I see her always training or doing events. Uh, she's part of the DC project. Um, which, you know, eventually, hopefully I'll be part of that soon. Uh, like I said before, I just reopened the, uh, Suffolk County. We have two counties on Long Island, Nassau and Suffolk. So I opened up the Suffolk County friends of the NRA and, uh, we're doing our first benefit dinner March 28th. Uh, so if anybody wants tickets to that and wants to come support us, um, half of that money goes to downstate for like women's shooting sports, uh, children, uh, safe, you know, safe shooting events, uh, as well as like updating ranges because the ranges around here are absolutely atrocious. Like every single one of them, like one way or another, there's a problem with it. Like either it's outside and you're in the elements or it's inside and the HVAC unit is terrible or you're sitting in like a container or like, it's just weird. You know, everything's mm -hmm. something's wrong. <laughs> and the problem is, is that no one will open up a range because you'll never get the ROI. Like it's just, it, it's just not a feasible business because the amount of money it takes to open up a real range for really what you need to do around here You'll never get your money back. It's got to be more like a passion project for somebody that has millions to throw out, throw out, you know, and they want to hang out there. Other than that, it's never going to open. We literally have one one range in Nassau County and the rest are in Suffolk County. They're like all like sporadic all over the place, but only one in Nassau County. Nassau County is the more affluent uh, county and uh, they're very picky about what opens there. Mm -hmm. So, Yep. That's one of the things where, you know. You think about, you know, a gun range, some people look at it saying, oh, this is great. You know, gun owners can get trained. Gun owners can be safe. The community can be educated. And other people look at it. They'll, oh, my gosh, you're selling guns. You know, who knows what could happen at that point. And unfortunately, those are the people that will go show up for the zoning meetings and different things like that to try to prevent it. And it's like, okay, but where are people supposed to go along and get trained at? I mean, you know, travel hours and hours away. Yeah, they can do that, but it, it just, it makes it extremely difficult doing it. And that makes it, um, it's just unfortunate because if we could have more gun ranges that, you know, could be put up economically, there'd be more people that would be knowledgeable about it. They safer about it and safe people make safe communities. Absolutely. I had a guy yesterday. He's like, let's open a range. I'm like, dude, I'm like, forget it. <laughs> He's like, what? I said, dude, $22 an hour per point is all you can really charge because that's your competitor. So how, how could you charge more? You can't. You're never going to get your money back. You'll be here forever. Yeah. So, you know, it, but again, to new instructors, I just want to point out that you don't need to own your own range. You don't need to have a brick and mortar. You don't need a large cache of weapons. Just focus on what you need and what your students like in your area. So in my area, we really can't shoot more than like a nine millimeter, not without it getting expensive at least. So we always push the PC nine. I don't know if you guys know what that is out there. PC nine uh, from Ruger. Yeah, the, 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 the LCP nine. No, that's a handgun. This is a rifle. Oh, oh okay, okay. The pistol. It's, okay, it's uh, a, carbine. Uh, carbine. Okay. So it's really nice. It takes Glock magazines and it shoots mm -hmm. nine millimeters. So it doesn't have a lot of kick, doesn't have a, have a lot of sound to it. So we push those a lot around here. And then, you know, obviously the lower calibers too for foundational skills, you know, like uh, like a 1022 or something like that. So, um, you know, it, it, around here, the, you can get away with like 
a small cheesy type of range because we're not shooting anything high powered. Uh, but again, that's where money comes in. You can only do so much in a 12 foot area, you know, with two lanes. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that regard to, uh, new instructors, you know, you can go out and rent from a range. You got to have insurance, you know, and, and get in there and do what you're supposed to do. And then you rent places to have lectures or you, you know, you purchase a place for a lecture space and just get it done. Mm-hmm. And, and little by little, just start putting back into the business. And, and then one next thing you know, you're like, wow, I have a nice little cache of fire firearms that I can train. I have a lot of training gear I can use. I mean, I started off with snap caps and, <laughs> You know, like a blue gun, I think I started with. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I tell you, when I first started, I was an atrocious instructor, instructor to be humble to you. Like, I don't even know what I was saying in the beginning. So but as I got, as I got, you know, because, you know, as a new instructor, mm-hmm. you don't really know anything. I feel like calling my initial students and being like, can you come back? Because I would like <laughs> to give you a new like lesson for free. <laughs> because I don't know what mm-hmm. I was saying to you. So, but so if if I would have had that CCW option when I was a new instructor, because we have a lot of them popping up right now, I would not feel comfortable doing that class as a new instructor because I don't think I would know enough to to really do justice for those students. Because if you think about it, if you don't explain to these people properly what they're doing, you can be held liable. So um, one thing I do is explain all the laws, and I don't know if you know about all our sensitive places that we have here I've from been watching. A- to T is ridiculous. And uh, one, you know, we're in an injunction right now. Things are coming in and out. We're winning like little by little. Um, and eventually we'll take it. But it's going to take time and it's going to take resources. So, uh, you know, these people are like, why get a CCW if I can't go in anywhere? It would be better just to tell me where I can go than where I can't go. Because literally it's everywhere, like everywhere. Mm-hmm. The buses, the, you know, going in a, a place that consumes alcohol, you know, stuff like that. Everywhere you can think of. Yeah, even even some private property places, which is like, okay, how do you how does the government tell you what to do, uh, what you can do or can't do on your private property? So, and then uh, you have to have a sign as well. On top of that, you have to have a sign that's in front of your building that's clear and conspicuous that says that you can come in with your concealed carry. But then they have people that don't put a sign, and if you don't put a sign, which they don't have to, it's still a no. And people don't know that they go, oh, well, there's no sign. Oh, here I go. We're good. No. That means no. So yeah, you know. one one of those things where you know, as I talk to students uh, about different states and the different laws, is you got to be very aware of those types of things because here in Ohio, the you put signs on the buildings you can't. Where in in New York, you're putting signs on the buildings you can. So it's you know 180 degrees opposite, and you've got to make sure you realize that, or else you can get end up on the wrong side of the law exactly yeah. like yeah. times square they made bigger recently they made it wider and longer and now you cannot go through times square at all you have to go around times square so it's a real big inconvenience there's signs everywhere uh, as i've been told that they are clearly conspicuous that you cannot go in those areas the only way you can go in those areas is if you have a times square license that you can go into times square with a, with a concealed license uh with a concealed uh, firearm great <laughs> This and Times Square is what one city block or so? No, no, or, it's big or, now. It's like three avenues, and then it's like, well, now it's probably about fifteen blocks or so, oh, okay. maybe eighteen okay. blocks. It used to be small. It used to be like just. I, a I didn't realize blocks. it considered all that Times Square. I was just thinking about when you're standing there and you're looking around the buildings. You know, there's that big empty, you know, area there. People are milling around, but I guess they consider more than just that, more than the immediate area. Again got to be educated on what the, what they consider it because uh what's obvious is not maybe um as obvious to everybody 
It's so true. And then like these uh, counties are sending out like letters for their concealed carry, like what to do. And some say something and some say other things. And it's like, I called the Lieutenant. I said, you know, what's going on with this? Why is one say one, one says the other goes, you have to go on the letter you were given. Um, this, this is how bad it is. Nobody knows what's going on. It's like incredibly crazy. So we say <laughs> buckle up and hold on. And, you know, eventually they will start opening up little by little. Yep. Well, and that's where, you know, recommend the instructors to, uh, you know, help out, talk to your um, students about what the law is. And when you have those teachable moments, when, you know, the student says, well, this doesn't make sense at all. It's like, yes. So become active in a local to a organization, realize who you're voting for and what those people vote for. And hopefully you can overturn these uh, kind of laws and make the laws that are make more sense for law abiding citizens. Well, hey, Lisa, we've been asking all our guests this season. Can you name an annual event or event that you think uh, instructors should go check out to improve their uh, their skills? Absolutely. I have two of them. <laughs> one is going to be for both genders and one is going to be just for females. So first one I'm going to speak about is the Active Self-Protection National Conference. Just went to it last, uh, was it a couple months ago. I think it was in September. Yes, And September. it was fantastic. Let me tell you, you have access to all of these high-level national, <clears throat> nationally ranked instructors and for the pennies on a dollar, basically. And you get to basically run around to talk to everybody. It's a beautiful family. Come check it out. The other one is um, The Mingle, and that's with uh, Shelly and Brian Hill from The Complete Combatant. Mm -hmm. And they are a fantastic duo who uh, put on this woman-only, female-focused for instructors or anyone in the instructor world to come together and mingle. And it's fantastic. You also get access to high-level instructors as well. And you basically pop around to all these different training events uh, for a whole weekend. It's really cool. They do giveaways. um, And they're just incredible people. They they really are. They know how to train. Brian is an absolute beast. I don't know if you know who he is. I'm sure you do. He's an absolute animal. I've had Shelly on on the podcast I think think you had him on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And he's just an absolute beast. And uh, I every time I learn from him, I, I like him on video because i can rewind and listen to him again because he drops such knowledge nuggets that i don't like my brain is not fast enough to scoop them up and like absorb them so in person i feel like i get gypped because i can't rewind him (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know uh he's a good guy yeah brian brian's great he puts out a a ton of videos that are available for free but it's Mm -hmm. definitely worthwhile to go and uh train with him in person if you uh have the opportunity to it um uh shelly also has her um reactionary uh, zones yep reactionary Um, zones and such and um you know very good uh, for the um instructor um the uh like decisionary skills cards she does Mm -hmm. too it's pretty cool Yep. She talked about that on the podcast when she came on. And then uh, John Korea and Neil uh, Widener, uh, they've been on the podcast previously uh, talking about what they do over an act of self-protection. Uh, all good places that as instructors, you can go and uh, improve your skills because it, as I've gone along and said before, it's not, you know, going to these events doesn't necessarily mean that you can shoot or you're, you know, a grandmaster type of shooter. But if it helps you to be able to describe to your students how to do something better, if it makes you go along and run a safer safer range, if you go along and aren't able to you know do better promotion of your events, 
that's worth you know gold right there by going to these kind of conferences and just hear, hearing some of those little bits and pieces. I mean, you're there for several days, but you know, make the connections, build the relationships with other instructors because you never know when you might need some additional help one way or the other, or just need an ear to say, hey, can you give me some ideas of how to you know overcome this obstacle that's that's in front of me? And that makes a um, big, big, big difference if you're going to stick around in the firearm community for a long time is building those relationships that you can pick up the phone and say, hey, Lisa, got a minute because I got this problem and I need some, need some advice. It, it works. Trust me, it does work. It really does. And it's a really great, I want to call it a family because it really is. I really feel like we we all kind of stick up for each other. We all look out for each other. And I think that's fantastic. And you wouldn't think that in, in a firearms industry, um, especially where I come from on Long Island, it's very doggy dog here. It's not very lovey. Oh, come on in. You know, we're all instructors now. It's like, you're taking food off my plate and I get the mean mug, you know, so I don't get the same feel uh, here as I do when I travel. And that's why that honestly what appeals me to travel and train and not just be stuck in my own little bubble. Um, because I, I want to be different. I don't want to be regurgitating, you know, the same garbage that's around here. I want to come to the market differently and people know right off the bat when they work with me, um, that I am different. And, you know, I've, I'm going to say I've gotten so good because that's, that's such a bad thing to say, but I've gotten so good with my instruction that I can really nail down what someone's doing wrong and fix them. And it's like my new thing. I'm like, this is so great. Like I could see what you're doing and I know how to fix it. And it's so great. You know, when, when that happens as an instructor and that, that bulb comes on, it's like, wow, this is instruction, not just like front side to, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just, you know, same thing regurgitate you got to learn how to talk to your students and how to get them to engage what you said and do it properly because it's one thing to listen and there's another thing to actually do what i said mm -hmm. right I, th I think the word you're looking for there lisa is it's life-changing because what we're talking about with our students are things that can literally save their life their family and you know and by saving it that means they're going to be around for their family long, longer and such. And that's where it really is, you know, life-changing because it is life-saving. And those are uh, something that as fire instructors, we have a very, um, you know, neat ability to go along and help people that in a lot of other trainings probably don't have the quite the same impact to it. So, well, Lisa, really appreciate your time today. Um, where can people find out about what you're doing, your YouTube channel, your training, where you're traveling, what you're doing, basically? Sure. Um, so you can always find me on pretty much any platform, TikTok, um, Instagram, Facebook, obviously. Uh, we are on YouTube as well, just under She Trains You, and that's T-R-A-I-N-S-Y-O-U. Um, or you can just go to my, um, website, she trains you.com or my email is, <clears throat> um, she trains you at outlook.com and, uh, my phone number 516-749-8650. If you want to talk to me, I always love talking to my gun people. You guys are always fun and anybody out there, you know, you want to, you know, connect or you want to do something together or you want to roll something past me because I'm a newbie in the world coming out. So I was you. I'm here for you. That's, you know, people did it for me. So please reach out. I, I love, I love being mentored and I love being, having mentees. I think it's a fantastic triangle that really helps bring our community to where it needs to be. Um, other than that, if you want to do the Long Island Women's Firearm Club, I don't know if anybody's around here that's probably listening, but if they are, you know, come on. Uh, LIWFC.org is our uh, website. 
So thank you so much, Rob. I really appreciate you having me. I've been listening to you for a long time and uh, it's been such an honor. And I was saying to you before, um, you even um, called me. I literally was like, wouldn't it be nice if Rob <laughs> would ask me to be on his podcast? And look, it happened. I have to manifest more often. I need to do lotto numbers or something, but we're working mm-hmm. on it. We're working on it. Yep, thank exactly. You. <laughs> uh, have a good night, Lisa. And thanks for your time again. Thanks again, Rob. You're the best. That's a wrap for this episode. I hope you found the first episode of 2023 valuable and that you'll share it with your friends. Do you have a topic you'd like to talk to me about? Know somebody I should interview? Email me your suggestions at FTP at concealcarry.com. We're at episode 18 currently, and we've only got eight short episodes to go before we go into a new season. And I've really enjoyed asking our guest one question at the end of the interview that has been anywhere from what books they're reading to books that they are suggested reading, or this year when we talk about training classes. Do you got ideas what season five's question should be? Email me at FTP at concealedcarry.com. Also, remember, you can always leave us feedback on our Facebook page or on our website. In fact, if you got questions about uh, instructing, go to our website, farmtrainerpodcast.com. Go to the search bar and enter in what you're searching for. And I'll bet you, you probably will find something there for you. If you don't, email me and I will make sure I follow up with somebody with that question and get an expert on to talk about it. Also, I want to ask you to leave us review google play itunes we all know how social media works the more people that go along click and give us reviews click on that five star the higher higher up our ranking goes and more people know about us also remember visit our sponsors especially the fire trainers association ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance establishing your business was your first step your next step was, should be going along at fta coverage remember to use that code ftp10 for 10 percent off at checkout we bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. And have a safe 2023. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.